So did you know that God has a plan for your life? No? <laughs> Barbara does. One person. <laughs> did you know that God has a plan for Arbor Point Church? Yes. yes. Uh, he does. We often quote Jeremiah 29, 11 when we talk about this. I, in fact, I quoted it last week. Uh, now, this was written to the Israelites who are in, in exile, but it's still for us today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for, for, for your welfare, for good. Uh, that plans that give you a hope and a future because we have a hope and a future in Christ. And so we can grab hold of that. So while it was written, I love scripture because it's often written for one group and then underneath that is, is for us as well. And this is one of those passages that was written for one group, but it's also something for us to grab hold of. It's a wonderful reminder that regardless of our circumstances, as Romans 8.28 tells us, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And we are each, as believers, this is to us as believers, we're called according to his purpose. God has a plan for us. And there's more, but there's more to think about when we're seeking God's plan for our lives, our individual lives, and also for the church. And that takes us to Ephesians 3, which is a passage for this morning, as we begin to explore some of the things that a godly vision will have in it. I love the Bible Gateway, the, the, the title of this passage. That you, y'all familiar with Bible Gateway? You know, and they'll put these headings in there. The, the heading for Ephesians chapter 3, it says, God's Marvelous Plan. So beginning at verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise that we have in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. It's a passage we're going to be spending a little bit more time with, verses 6 and 12, but I want to make note of something. In the beginning of that passage, the first three words, and this is just if you're studying this is something to grab, to, that, that when you read something like this, to go, huh, that's telling me something. It says, for this reason, which says, there's something before that I may need to go look at, because he's answering a question. And these are some of the transitional words and phrases that you see that are moving from one thought to the next. So when we see these, that's a trigger for us to look back. So I'm going to move back to uh, chapter 2 uh, in verse 11. Remember that formerly... You who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. 
Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So the issue at hand was whether Gentiles, that would be you and I, would be accepted into this new Christian church, the way as it was known in the early days. Are we going to let those guys who, are, who, who aren't Jewish into, into our faith? Because Jesus was a Jew, did you know that? Jesus was Jewish, and, and the original church itself came, uh, it was all Jewish, and so this was, this, this was a, a radical thing. See, it, it, Paul explains that the separation had been in place, that they had been excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, and having no real hope because there was, they, they, they were without God, the one true God. They didn't have access to it because they weren't part of the chosen people. It was a sad situation for them, and it would really be a sad situation for us still, except that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. That's hallelujah. Amen. That's how much God loves you. Praise God for that, because it was a total separation up until that point. And this all happened through the atoning blood of Jesus on the cross. He is our peace, who has broken down every wall. He is our peace. He is our peace. He is our peace. Who has broken down every wall? He is our peace. He is our peace. He's our peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He unites us. He brings us together. doesn't matter where you come from. He brings us together as one. And this is absolutely radical. Unheard of. Unthought of. To Paul as a Jewish rabbi? This, no. You don't do that. That's, it's us and it's them. And, 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 and Jesus comes down and says, no, I'm breaking the barrier down. I'm taking the barrier out. 
There was a wall between us, but it's gone. And that was a mystery. This mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together. Together with Israel. Members together in one body. And sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. It's impossible, and yet it is. So a godly vision, then, is going to include a wide variety, all the varieties of people that God created. All are welcome by Jesus. We must be willing to meet people as they are, meet people where they are. So I just want to reinforce this. So for Paul, Caden, you can help me with this. There were how many kinds of people? Two. They were the Gentiles and the Jews. There were the chosen and the not chosen. That was it. There wasn't any other distinction. You were either with me as a Jew, as a chosen person, heir to the promise, all those things, or you weren't. You're separate from God. You're separate from us. And that dividing wall that kept that separation, that had been there since the inception, read the Old Testament. The purity of the Jewish people, the Israelites, was important. And the dividing wall that was there, Jesus took out. And Paul is going, this is a mystery. This is incredible. This is, wow, this can't be, and yet, it's what we've, where we find ourselves. A godly vision is that radical. There's no longer slave nor free, male nor female, black or brown or white or any other division that we like to put in place, racial, uh, gender, orientation, now, any of it, class. We like to separate. God says, not, not in my body. We are together. We are together. And y'all see what's going on in the world, right? How are the right and the left getting along? <laughs> we're fighting, right? You know, we, we're, we're, we're the, you know, the right, the, we, don't con- we don't have conversations, we're angry with each other, we, we work against each other politically, we're, Christians have been drawn into this, uh, for, for, so we move from Christ being our primary focus into the politics and our ideology being our primary focus in many cases, and I don't see those things as healthy, because they contradict much of what Jesus was about? What if, for example, in our political engagement, we we sought not to fit Jesus into our politics, but we allowed Jesus to influence our ideology? What if we allowed Jesus to influence our political persuasion? There was a, in the New Testament, there's a time when the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or I think it's Pharisees and the scribes, tried to trap Jesus. They went to him and they, and, they, and they said, should we pay taxes? And Jesus was a smart dude. So he gave me one of them coins. Looks at the coin, he said, whose image is this? Caesar. So he, the famous phrase, right? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. 
Now, there's two really important pieces to that, right? Political engagement is okay. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Engage. Be a part of it. Absolutely. There are things that are that we, that in our life that are political, that are, that are Caesar's, and, and that's, that's okay. However, there are also things in our life that are spiritual and godly. And I think Jesus knew that if we brought those things together and we mix those things up, we'd get mixed up. And I think we see that nowadays. We see that. We blur the distinction in our political and our spiritual life. And please hear me, because every time I talk, talk this way, people hear it weird. So, I don't care if you are conservative, far out on the right, if, if you're progressive, far out on the left, or anywhere in between. What's my hashtag? Be you for him. Be you for him. Be who you are. But please, please, please evaluate where you, where's Jesus in it. Am I trying to fit Jesus into my ideology? In other words, am I trying to make Jesus fit? Or am I following Jesus and he's helping guide me? Because if Jesus is a part of some of the conversations that we have, I think we'll actually be able to talk to one another instead of yell at each other. Amen? Amen. See, because we need to talk to one another. We need to do that. And by the way, I just want to make this point. If Jesus was here, what political party do you think he'd be a part of? Republican? Democrat? Independent? No. No, he'd be worried about your soul. He'd be going... How's your walk? Do you know my father in heaven? There's an eternity at stake here. The United States is awesome. Love America. They ain't going to be here forever, but you know what it is? My father's kingdom. How's your soul? How's your soul? That's what Jesus would be. How is your soul? Are you helping other people come to know? We have an opportunity. For they will know we are Christians we have an opportunity. There is hate everywhere. Everywhere. We have an opportunity. Be who you are for him in a loving way. Stand for your politics and your ideology, but do it with love. And it will transform the conversations that we're having. They're, they may come up to you and say, what is up with you? How can... I know, I know that you're, you're conservative and you're, and you're able to talk to the most progressive person. How are you doing that? Let me tell you about Jesus. Because that's how I'm doing it. Those of you who know me a little bit know that I have an opinion on just about everything. But I am learning. I am learning that when I put God first, Mike's opinion is not as important as God's. And God wants me to be in relationship with people. And sometimes I've got to get out of my own way in order for that to happen. And Jesus was political. Now, he wasn't political in the sense of the secular government. But if you talk to the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the 
scribes and Pharisees, he was, he was concerned with the spiritual well-being of his people. He was very concerned with that. And that's why he challenged them that way. But his view was primarily, it was eternal, it wasn't temporal. He was worried about their souls. He wasn't so worried about what was going to happen here. And I hope, my hope is that we are able to grab hold of that perspective because it will allow us to let go of some of the stuff that bogs us down. Jesus met people where they were, who they were. He trusted that God would move in their hearts, and God, God did. He was interested in all. Neither slave nor Jew, male, female. He was interested in all and them coming to find his father who is in heaven. So a godly vision is going to include everyone. A godly vision will include everyone. A godly vision will also, the primary thing a godly vision better include is God. Verse 12. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. See, God wants us to approach him with our vision. If we pursue a godly vision, then it's only natural that God must be the focus of that vision. And we get to approach God with freedom, confidence in faith. Think about it this way. Got some parents and grandparents in here? Now, I know some of y'all ain't raising your hands. Got some parents and grandparents in here? Take a look around now. That's, we got a room full, right? Do you want your kids to be able to come up to come to you with anything and talk to you, no matter what it is? <laughs> Naomi's like, eh, sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> you don't know Michael. <laughs> oh, Rachel. <laughs> we want our kids to be able to approach us to come to us with whatever's going on in their life. And we're not going to agree, right, with everything that they do or they want to do, but we still want them to be able to come. And so we get to give them some wisdom based on our experience and what we've been through, and they get to completely discard it and not pay any attention to it and <laughs> go do what they're going to do and come back later. And here's, here's the caveat. Later she'll come back and she'll go, Mom, you were right. <laughs> still waiting on it. <laughs> But we want them to be able to approach us with confidence, knowing that we're going to love them, period. We're not going to agree with them on everything. We're their parent. God is our parent. God feels, however we feel about our kids and grandkids, God is bigger than that. He loves us so much. But he wants to be involved in our life, approach him with confidence. Approach him knowing that, that he's in it with us. He's in it with you. Wherever you are in your life today, and I know people are going through stuff and we come to church, and I know that we can't tell everybody everything that's going on. I know some of you are going through some stuff. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So if you're going through stuff, please know that God is in it with you. You are not in it alone. God is in it with you. Not going to let you go. Going to walk with you through it. Even when we mess up. Even when we fail. And we're, <laughs> we're going to fail sometimes. We keep approaching him. Knowing that we're living on the promise that he gave to us. For us here, here at Arbor Point, we're in our visioning process. And we reached a point where in a few weeks we're going to begin setting up some meetings. So that we can present to you the, the, where we are, what the vision team's 
uh, has come come to the point of presenting and and get some get a confirmation, get feedback, refinement. We we're we're on the move. We're on the move. Division statement is pretty simple. It's inspiring people to fulfill God's calling in their lives. We want to inspire people. When they come to Arbor Point, we want to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life, to be a church of inspiration. A church where you come here and we're going to help you figure out what your calling is. And has anybody asked themselves at some point in their life, I wonder what God's call is in my life? Every, pretty much everybody does that at one point or another. So what, what this means is that it, it's nice to have the you know, simple inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life. But underneath that is that we're going to help you with it, figure out what your spiritual giftedness is, what your passion is, what your talents are, because we bring those three things together. Now you've got a pretty good idea what, where God's calling is. But it doesn't end there because there's also fulfill. We're going to help you to find a place where you can fulfill God's calling in your life, whatever that looks like, inside the church, outside the church. Some people are called to ministry inside. Some people are called to ministry outside. We want to be a church of inspiration, a place where you come and you go out here and go, those people know, they, they care about my spiritual journey. And I've been in a lot of churches, and we do, you know, we talk a lot about spiritual gifts, and we talk about that stuff, but we don't do a very good job of helping members walk this path, discovering who and who, where it is God is calling and we, want, we don't want that to be the case here. We want to inspire you to fulfill God's calling in your life. I'm excited about that. I love inspiration. I love that, that people's lives are, are going to be transformed forever. Our mission, y'all remember our mission here in the Methodist Church? Make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Transformation begins here, right? Transformation begins with me. If I'm living a life of transformation, then that will play its way out into the lives of others. And we want to inspire people to pursue, to embrace, to engage in who and what it is that God is calling them to. Whatever that is, be you for him completely. Be you for him. It's good stuff. Paul wrote a prayer in this, past, in, in this chapter of Ephesians. And as the band comes up, I want to um, pray this prayer for Arbor Point. So if you'll bow. I pray that out of his glorious riches, Arbor Point Church, that God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep, wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, now and forevermore. Amen.